Hello, hello, and welcome back to my podcast, What the Hell Am I Doing in My 20s? I just realized that this is my 12th podcast episode that I'm uploading, which is kind of crazy because when I was doing research on podcast success rates before starting this podcast, I read that the majority of podcasts stop after seven episodes for a whole bunch of reasons, and I managed to make it to episode 12. (laughs) Before starting this podcast, I was so scared that I wouldn't be able to keep up a consistent schedule, and that's one of the most important factors to a successful podcast, actually just success in general. And now here I am, uploading an episode every week, no matter the circumstances, and I'm super proud of myself for that. And I really hope that I'll be able to keep posting every single week because I know that my life is about to get a lot busier and I'm a little worried that I'm going to be overwhelmed, but I've gone through this when I first started the podcast. Surely I can do it again. What I want to talk about today is social anxiety because turns out it's wildly common for people our age. And you wouldn't think that it's so common because when people experience social anxiety, it's always hidden. No one likes to talk about it. And people only want to deal with it in silence because we always expect the worst case scenario to come out of talking about it. We always think that our friends are going to think we're weird or overdramatic and at the worst are going to cut us off if we talk about what makes us anxious in social settings. Which sucks, because I feel like it's almost become taboo to talk about our social anxiety, even with our closest friends, who we would supposedly trust the most. So ironically, it makes people socially anxious to talk about their social anxiety to their friends. (laughs) Funny. So let's talk about it. I know that social anxiety can present itself in a thousand different ways, And some people are really severely socially anxious, whereas for others, it doesn't last for more than 10 minutes. Some common scenarios would include people leaving us on red and not responding back. People responding in a way that is not parallel to how they would normally respond. Talking to customers, talking to people on the phone, asking strangers for help, doing stuff alone in a public setting confrontation, initiating hangouts, etc. The list could go on forever. I think the average person has experienced social anxiety from at least a few of these scenarios. And I guess if you're lucky, these things have never bothered you too much. I have definitely gone through my fair share, but fortunately, I don't think I've ever been super seriously affected. However, I can understand how painful and debilitating social anxiety can be since I've experienced it already on a smaller scale. But if there is one form of social anxiety that has had a great effect on me, it's FOMO, fear of missing out, if you don't already know the term. I've suffered a great deal of sadness and emotional turbulence because of FOMO. If my friends were hanging out and didn't invite me, Not even a millisecond would pass and I would think, wow, okay, my friends don't love me anymore. I clearly did something wrong. Something is wrong with me. They must think I'm too annoyed to hang out with. I should start distancing myself from them. All within the span of like three seconds. Which is crazy. 
I mean, all they did was hang out without me one time and suddenly I'm thinking I'm the most hated person in the world. Because of my FOMO, it was really hard for me to ever consider myself having normal friendships because I always thought that people hated me and people didn't want to be around me. So it's like, how could I ever have an authentic friendship? I also suffered more often than not with me thinking that I did something wrong whenever people responded to my messages in a cold manner. You know, like no emojis, no LOLs or LMAOs or hahas, especially if they were the type to do it before. I was convinced that I pissed them off in some way, even if I was sure that I did nothing wrong. But you know what helped? Looking at the cold hard facts and debunking the assumptions. If they never told me that they were upset at something I did, then I don't have a legitimate reason to think that they're mad at me. If they never gave any kind of actual indication that I did something wrong, then I'm probably overthinking it. Because the thing about friendship is that it goes both ways. If someone does something wrong, then the other person has a responsibility to bring it up if it bothers them a lot. You can't expect someone to be completely self-aware 100% of the time because no one ever is. So honestly, don't even consider it a problem until it's actually been brought up as a problem because you have no concrete reason to make an assumption into an actual issue. You're probably still there sitting though, thinking, okay, why did they text so weird then? Maybe they just had an off day. Maybe they're done being a people pleaser, because let's face it, people who always use LOL or LMAO or haha or emojis in their texts are low-key people pleasers who don't want to flare people's social anxiety. Something I always mention in my episodes and as general advice to people is to think rationally. When it came to fixing my FOMO, what helped was to understand that it's not always about me. It is not always about me, or you in this case. I cannot stress how important it is to realize that. Let's say you saw on Instagram that your friends were hanging out without you, and then you start getting upset and get mad at them because you think that they were trying to exclude you on purpose. But then the next week, you meet up with them and one of them says, Hey, sorry, we didn't invite you last week. We just happened to be at school together and we just quickly got dinner since we were already together. And now you feel bad because you were bashing them in your head the whole week, thinking the absolute worst when it was just a simple case of spontaneity. The number of times this has happened to me is honestly embarrassing. (laughs) But now I'm finally able to realize that I'm not always the issue. And if that still doesn't help you, keep thinking of reasons and or ways to debunk the assumption that it's your fault. Because you'll realize that out of all the reasons, there's no way to guarantee that the reason will fall on you. Think about it. If they generally ask you to hang out, then you can assume that they like you. Just because you don't get invited to a couple hangouts, you can't seriously assume that they don't like you anymore. If you don't get invited to any hangouts, then you have a good reason to think that they don't like you anymore. And in that case, just get up and leave. 
Don't get caught up trying to find reasons and don't tie yourself down to incompatibility. Just find new people to spend time with. And there might be a few factors that don't necessarily have to do with you as a person. For example, I don't live that close to any of my friends and I also don't have a car. If they're hanging out somewhere far from me, then I would understand that they wouldn't want to have to pick me up and drop me back home, especially if it's out of the way. I mean, I can't blame them. Imagine if you had to do that for a friend every single time. It gets exhausting. But this doesn't mean that they dislike me as a person. People are entitled to their own boundaries, and those boundaries aren't always tied to you. And if they are, that's completely fine. Sometimes I don't want to hang out with certain people all the time, but it doesn't have to be so deep and personal. It's just about respecting my boundaries. It kind of took me a while to understand this fully, but comprehending this took a lot of weight off of my shoulders. Like I mentioned at the beginning, humans have this super destructive habit of always thinking of the worst case scenario. But if you think about it, we don't ever react as badly as someone would think we would. That might be kind of confusing, so let me give an example. One of my really close friends once told me, when he was really drunk, that he loves hanging out with me and wants to ask me to hang out more often, but is always too scared to ask me to hang out for some reason. And that was shocking to me because I actually love hanging out with him and I never did anything to incite this reaction out of him. It was just out of his pure insecurity. And that kind of makes me feel better about worrying if other people feel this way about me since I'm proof that most of the time these thoughts are based off you know, insecurities rather than actual reasons. So the next time you feel your social anxiety flaring up, think... Would I react the same way if the roles were reversed? Answer will probably always be no. And let's be real, you're probably also doing a lot of things that would normally ignite your social anxiety. If you go crazy over someone ignoring your text, just stop and think. Do you also ignore other people's texts? You probably do, or you probably have. Did you do it with the intent to make them feel left out and make them feel terrible about themselves? Unless you're a manipulative narcissist, probably not. You probably got too tired to reply or felt that the conversation didn't need to drag on or simply just forgot about their text and forgot to reply. After all, humans are notorious for making a lot of mistakes, so cut your friends some slack before you confirm that they hate you and assume the worst. No matter what form of social anxiety you have, it all starts with your self-esteem. If you have terrible self-esteem and you're always thinking that people dislike you, then that's always going to be the common denominator of every social interaction that you have. Ask yourself, for every scenario where social anxiety might be induced, what are you scared of? Let's say the scenario is that you're about to call a customer service representative to ask them a question. You might be scared that you're going to be judged or criticized by the customer service rep for either asking a stupid question, for having a weird voice, for talking too much, etc. All these reasons fall back to you. 
let's say this this conversation with this rep were to go perfectly normal, then you would have no reason to be afraid or be socially anxious. So what do you do? You either change your perspective on yourself or on the other person or both. You could start by trying to convince yourself that you don't have a weird voice. You just have a normal voice and that your question isn't stupid because if it's really a genuine concern, then how could it be a stupid question? And that the only reason you're having to talk a lot is to make sure that the rep understands your situation. These are ways to alter your perspective on you. But I know that this doesn't always work. It's a lot easier said than done. So then you switch over to change your perspective on the other person. The chances of your customer service rep judging your voice is so unlikely because they hear hundreds of voices every day. So what makes your voice so special that it stands out to them in a bad way? The chances of your customer service rep thinking that your question is stupid is also very slim because again, they talk to hundreds of people every day and they've likely already heard your question a thousand times already. That to them, it's just a normal question. The chances of your customer service rep thinking that you're talking too much? You know, they might actually appreciate that you're giving a thorough explanation of your situation, which saves them time asking you supplementary questions, which they would have had to ask to get all that information anyway. But at the end of the day, who cares what they're thinking? You are likely never going to talk to them again And if you do, they probably won't even remember. Why? Because they're talking to thousands of other people already. So as soon as you hang up the call, you're there overanalyzing the phone call on what went wrong and what could have been, whereas they've completely forgotten the phone call already and moved on to the next caller. So who cares what the hell they think? What only matters is what you think of yourself. And guess what? You have full control over that. You can build your confidence using consistent reminders. The second you start thinking that you have a weird voice, tell yourself that you have a normal voice, even if you don't believe it. Because when you tell yourself something every day, you eventually start to believe it. And then one day, your default thought will suddenly switch from, I have a weird voice, to, I have a normal voice. It's really just a matter of creating habits to boost yourself. And once you start building your confidence and only caring about what you think, literally 99% of your social anxiety will go away. But if there's one vital takeaway from this episode that you need to realize, it's that you're not as significant as you think you are in the nicest way possible. People are never thinking about you as much as you are. People can make decisions and have them not be all about you. It's rarely ever about you. I was on TikTok the other day and I came across a video from this account called 100 Anxiety Tips and it outlined the following. Stop assuming people are mad at you. Stop attempting to read people's minds. Stop trying to manage the thoughts and emotions of others. Let people be in charge of themselves. If they have something to say to you, they will. And if they don't, it's their responsibility, not yours. I hope that this episode was helpful to you if you suffer with social anxiety. 
All of these have helped me personally to be a less socially anxious person. Detaching yourself and not giving a fuck really does wonders for your mental health. So I'd encourage you to give it a go. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys stay warm and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.